Hey, I'm Alex. And I'm Brandon. And welcome to Living Electric. We're both content creators and electric vehicle enthusiasts. And through this podcast, we hope to share our experience with owning electric vehicles and help you join the electric life. What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to Living Electric. We're here with episode two in season two. Uh, today, we're going to get into more of car maintenance with an EV as well as some reliability uh, hopefully kind of share our experience with any kind of repairs we've had to have done. Um, talk about how to take care of your battery, because that is a big part of EV ownership that kind of goes overlooked. Uh, even though there isn't as much maintenance, you do have a, a large battery to take care of. Um, and then we might get into some right to repair stuff as well, because that's kind of a, a hot topic around EVs and just mm-hmm. consumer electronics and consumer goods in general. So. I know Brandon's done a little research on that, so don't want to don't want to leave him hanging on <laughs> on talking about that. So, <laughs> lots of YouTube videos. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, do you want to start off and just talk about like what kind of repairs or any kind of maintenance you've had to do with your bolts? And I can I can share the same. Yeah. So, fortunately, with our bolt, we haven't had to do many. Well, actually, I don't think any powertrain repairs. Um, there's been some recalls on the batteries, as yeah. we all know, with the 2017 through 2019 bolts. Uh, fortunately ours was not part of that. Um, but the physical repairs that we had to do were more on the interior. Uh, we've had to replace the driver's seat, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, about three times going on a fourth time. Uh, there's been some other parts that have, uh, kind of failed in terms of holding up to like external temperatures in the sun, things yeah. like that. We had to have both headlights replaced already because of bleaching and, all that fun stuff. Gotcha. But nothing that's prevented the car from driving, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. No, the car's been solid powertrain wise. That's awesome. Yeah. And I definitely don't baby that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't baby it at all. What about you with your Tesla? Yeah. Fortunately, I have been uh, very lucky. I haven't had, had to have any repairs done. I probably touched on it on my YouTube channel and one of the podcasts in the past. But when I first got the car, I had them just repair some interior trim. But besides that, I haven't done anything and haven't spent any money on getting any kind of repairs done, which is definitely a welcome change coming from a uh, from a like coupe sports car that needed oil changes all the time and took premium yeah. fuel and all that fun stuff. So very, very lucky to be in an EV now because that was one of the reasons I wanted to switch to an EV as well is just because overall it just needs so much less maintenance. I mean, probably the biggest one is oil changes. I think that's what most people Mm kind of talk about because you don't have to worry about that. But I mean, brakes are another thing. I don't know if you've had to do anything with brakes yet, but not yet. Not yet. I'm actually, I'm more worried about uh, tire wear (laughs) from all the torque. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But I I agree with you with the um, complications of like driving a combustion vehicle. Mm -hmm. I, we had a a diesel, a TDI, and you know, I hope that doesn't surprise anybody, but this was many years ago. And uh, the transmission was a thousand dollars every year to uh, maintain, which is just ridiculous on top of fuel costs and, you know, oil changes. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, and overall, EVs are just so simple compared to an ICE vehicle, at least mechanically, they're very simple. I mean, you've got the the big battery, and then you've got the motor attached to the wheels, and that's it. (laughs) There's no transmission, (laughs) no, like, fuel system, none of that stuff. Like, there's just so much less to worry about. That's definitely the big thing is oil changes. I think, what are the other big ones with with regular cars usually? Brakes are the other one that come to mind, which... We do have brakes, but regen braking, right? Yeah. So, <laughs> yep, 
Yeah, it makes them last a lot longer. Yeah. <laughs> actually, t uh, touching on brakes, our ID4 actually has rear drum brakes because Volkswagen, um, you know, they, I, well, this is a weird way of saying, it. I was going to say prophesize, but they foresaw the future that the brakes wouldn't be used. So they coated them in like a metal, like a drum brake. Really? So they are protected. Yes. Interesting. Yeah, which I think is pretty cool. Um, I know a lot of people like to bash on it, saying that it's out of date technology, but it's protecting the, the brakes yeah because they're not going to be used as much that's really yeah. interesting okay yeah because with regen braking your your motor essentially that helps move the wheels when you let off the accelerator that energy that generally is just letting you coast down the road then goes into recharging your batteries but then in turn slows down the car so you're not using those brakes as much i've even heard people not use their brakes so far that they're like brake pads have warped because they <laughs> because they've yeah. essentially been doing one pedal driving and don't yeah. need to ever use their brakes so brakes should last much longer oh yeah absolutely when when i worked at tesla we actually had an example um it was i think it was a 2013 model s he had eighty thousand miles on the vehicle and it was still the original brakes that's incredible and uh, he had to, he had to have them replaced because they weren't used. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they worked. <laughs> that's but that's, uh, that's I know it's crazy. Yeah, so other part of that though, um because you're switching out from the uh kind of mechanical transmission, oil changes, all that stuff, you do trade that off for a battery now, which is like kind of your fuel. Um but because the battery is so big and expensive, you do want to do some things to keep care of that. Um, I think I did a video on this on my YouTube channel, actually. So we might link that in the, the show notes afterwards. But yeah. <laughs> there's kind of uh, kind of three main things you want to avoid when you, when you are driving an EV to keep better care of the battery. Um, first off is just avoid really high states of charge and really low states of charge. So... If you are plugged in, you probably don't want to go above 80 or 90% charge unless you really need that extra range, right? So mm -hmm. I'm sure you've charged up to 100% before you leave on a big long road trip, but like day to day you're sitting at <laughs> 80 or 90, I'm yeah, guessing. I, yep. Yeah. I actually sometimes keep it at 70%. Yeah. Just because yeah <laughs> i don't know you, why i just i mean you don't have to i don't need it it's funny actually the the like equilibrium of the battery is at 50 percent, so that's when the battery is healthiest mm -hmm. so the farther you get away from 50 percent, the less like the less the battery likes it and the the more damage you can cause <laughs> to the battery so definitely want to avoid very high states of charge but then also very low states of charge so if your battery does get very low it's best to plug it in as soon as you can which is kind of natural because you're probably going home or going to a charging station to charge it up anyway <laughs> yep. so that's a pretty easy one and then also if you are able to it's best to avoid high temperatures as well and generally that happens because you're uh charging at very high rates very high current that's that's bad for the batteries long term if you're doing that a lot um which we were just saying before the podcast, I'm kind of nervous about that because I've been yeah. supercharging almost exclusively <laughs> since, <Yeah. laughs> I, since I don't have home charging. Obviously, very, very high charge rates, very high temperatures, not great for the battery long term. Um, but I'm sure for you, that's pretty easy because you just charge at home, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I actually, at I think almost at 21,000 miles and haven't noticed any loss uh, of state of charge or anything like that's that. That's great. Yeah. Which is impressive. But I, I would say that I I think maybe I've fast charged less than 15 times so far in ownership. So yeah. 
Uh, yeah, yeah. It's It's been a bit since I've been to a fast charger. But yeah. have you noticed any degradation on your Tesla? A little bit. Um, and I keep my battery on percent versus showing miles. So I honestly don't even notice like if it's if it's degraded or not, <laughs> which I just kind yeah. of like try not <laughs> to think about it because it, your battery might degrade, but then like you're able to get more miles out of it if you're driving more efficiently as well. So I think it all mm-hmm. kind of balances out depending on what kind of driving you're doing. So yeah. when I do switch it over to miles, it shows about 300 miles of range, which when I got the car, I think it was around 310 or 308. I can't remember exactly what it was, but so not a ton of loss. Important thing to remember with battery degradation as well is your battery is naturally going to lose some some capacity over time. That's just how lithium ion batteries work. Uh, yep. <laughs> just like cell phones. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. Um, and we'll get to that in a second because they aren't like cell phones where they die after two years. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, not like cell phones in that aspect. <laughs> yeah. And they, uh, yeah. but with de- with degradation, you're generally going to see a bigger drop off in like that first year of ownership. But then after that, it plateaus pretty sharply mm-hmm. and you're not going to see like consistent large drop off. It's usually just kind of a slow burn. So it's really not yeah. something to worry about. Batteries should last a while we've got at least on my car i think i have an eight year hundred and twenty thousand mile warranty on the battery oh so yeah if it drops yeah. below 70 percent of its original capacity then tesla's on the hook for that so well you better keep driving yeah exactly <laughs> you've only got six years left <laughs> yeah i honestly i think the battery warranty for the bolt is i think it's eight years one hundred thousand miles yeah um but, but the one thing I've noticed with GM, besides everything with like the battery fires, um, their battery technology is actually pretty reliable. Yeah. Uh, I know when I had a, a Volt, um, I was part of the Volt forum and somebody had 350,000 miles on their Volt and it had only lost like 3% of uh, battery. Wow. Which is just crazy. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I, I know that there's such a buffer for that reason. It doesn't allow you to use the full capacity of the battery pack. Exactly. Um, which, which is actually something I wanted to bring up with the German EVs, like, you know, Porsche, Volkswagen, and Audi. There's such a big um, gap between what you can actually utilize and what the whole battery pack has a capacity of. Oh, okay. um, and I, I think the reason is, is because the German um, EVs can charge at such high rates. Yeah. At like DC fast chargers, especially the Taycan. Um, I bet they're trying to prevent any massive loss of battery state of charge. Mm. Um, but I'm actually curious to know how Taycans will hold up with charging as quickly as they do. It's going to yeah. be interesting. Yeah, that'll be that'll be very interesting. Yeah, so the, the big misconception, and I get YouTube comments like, I swear it's like every fifth comment saying like, yeah, that car is great now, but it's not going to be so fun when you got to pay X amount of dollars to replace the battery in three or four years. And that is like one of the huge misconceptions because we're all used to coming from cell phones where the batteries do last about two years before you're like, you can't even get through the day without your battery dying. Right. (laughs) Yeah, I know for an example, like I, I have an iPhone 12 and I got it less than a year ago and I've already lost uh, 8% of my battery. Wow. And I I literally charge it once a day. Yeah. <laughs> Which is just ridiculous. It's like a brand new phone. It shouldn't be. Exactly. <laughs> it shouldn't be doing that. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So EV batteries are quite literally built different. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah. They they are designed yep. to, to handle constant 
constant charging and and discharging because they are a car and you're going to be driving it every day you want it to last Mm -hmm. 10 to 15 years before you replace it so companies and these manufacturers that are building evs know that and they're building the batteries to last that long so like they said they they are avoiding those things like high states of charge they recommend (laughs) you only charge it to 90 percent. whereas like we charge our cell phones to 100 percent every night at least i know i do yep charge my laptop to 100 percent. like (laughs) like all this stuff where our batteries (laughs) are constantly dying that's usually because our charging habits aren't very good and just the battery management systems in general they don't build those they don't build the phones to last that long no yeah, there's no battery management system like liquid flowing through your phone like you have in cars. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so the the one piece of technology that a lot of manufacturers utilize to help increase the lifespan of electric vehicle batteries is uh, battery management systems. And um, every manufacturer is different depending on how they want to utilize cooling and heating the battery pack. Um, most of the vehicles, I would actually say all of the vehicles on the road now, except for the Nissan Leaf, um, have liquid cooled battery management systems. Yeah. Um, the Leaf is air cooled, which is why you see more degradation in those vehicles than you do any other electric vehicles on Mm -hmm. the road. They really prepare for, you know, heating and cooling, making sure that the battery pack is healthy and happy and, um, just a lot of TLC. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Under love and care of the battery (laughs) yeah and temperature is the biggest thing and that's that's really what that battery Mm -hmm. management system is doing most of the time is just keeping the battery at a at a comfortable temperature so it doesn't get too hot doesn't get too cold and it's gonna it's gonna end up lasting longer because of that alex i wanted to ask just because it's been a bit since i've like had hands-on experience with tesla um does your model 3 have like active battery management where like if the car's not on it's still releasing heat or it's still warming the battery pack i believe so now i don't know i know like in the winter it will it will kick on generally like if i preheat the car it'll preheat the battery as well but i'm not Mm -hmm. sure if it's just sitting in a hot parking lot i think it does kick the fans on at least to like try to cool down the battery okay i definitely hear it go on when i'm supercharging like all that kind of stuff (laughs) But I've also left it parked like for a week straight and I haven't really noticed if it goes on or off because the battery state of charge didn't go down that much. So I'm not sure if it was actually oh, doing okay. anything. So I'm yeah. not 100%, 100% sure. I know I know those vehicles like generally try to keep the battery at a comfortable temperature, but I'm not sure how active that really is. Because our, our bolt does not turn on the system unless it's plugged in or unless you're preconditioning the vehicle. Yeah. Um, there's been times where I've gone out and it's like, I don't know, maybe 20 degrees and the car is just freezing. Yeah. <laughs> S- same when it's like super hot. Yeah. Does nothing. Yeah. <laughs> just sits there. <laughs> yeah. mine Because mine will show like the cold soaks, like it'll have the snowflake on the battery. So it definitely yeah. like is getting yeah. cold enough where it like something clearly something isn't kicked on but also i don't leave it plugged in so that might be another another issue as well i'm curious to know what how the id4 is going to do this this winter yeah definitely on the topic of uh cooling systems and repairs this is a good segue to our right to repair topic uh so youtuber richard builds actually just did a uh, recent video that is actually causing a lot of waves in the electric vehicle community. It's discussing a uh, brand new Model 3 that had damage to its cooling system and how much Tesla was going to charge the customer versus if the customer went to a third party uh, repair shop. Mm -hmm. And uh, the cost difference is insane. And um, we can definitely get 
get to that later on once we talk more about what right to repair is. Yeah, so if we kind of take a couple steps steps back here, right to repair is something you've probably been heard thrown around in the news and some of these headlines and stuff. And it's definitely a big issue and definitely something you should do some research on probably outside of this podcast because we're probably not going to do a great job explaining it. So, uh, but at a basic level, it's essentially you, you as a consumer, when you buy something, you should have the rights to repair that, that device, but also keep your warranty and like keep support from from Apple, from Microsoft, or whoever piece of technology you bought, right? So um, I, I like to liken a lot of things to phones because that's something a lot of people are familiar with. So let's say you yep. buy an iPhone <laughs> and you crack the screen. You have to go to a an Apple-certified repair person to do that screen replacement for you. You can't just buy parts like online and then do that screen replacement yourself. You can, but then if any other issues arise in the future, Apple's going to be like, oh, well, you opened up your phone and replaced the glass, so we can't help you, right? So yep. there's definitely two sides to it because you don't want, obviously, companies don't want people messing with their phones and like messing with things to possibly screw things up even further. Um, but then also they're getting less income because they're because <laughs> people are able to do it themselves and not they can't charge as much for those kind of repairs. Um, and then on the consumer side, obviously you want to be able to like control and fix your own device if you're capable of it. Right. So, yeah. Um, yeah. And we were chatting before this episode, uh, phones is like a small example, but cars have gotten so technologically advanced now. Uh, we were saying EVs are very mechanically simple, but all of these mm -hmm. software and different control systems that go into the vehicle are getting very complicated, not just on EVs, but also on combustion vehicles as well. So anytime yeah. you want to get something repaired, you've got to go to some authorized repair person that's got to do a diagnostic on your specific computer system that's in your car <laughs> and figure out what's going yeah. on. Yeah, it, it, it's crazy. You know, like if something happens to your vehicle, you might think it's simple, but then they have to pull the logs and that could take hours to look through and then they identify it. Yeah, um, I've actually gotten to the point where I don't even call cars cars. I just call them computer on wheels because they that's kind of yeah. what they are now. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. That's literally what they are. But uh, talking about uh, software, I actually wanted to discuss our uh, ID4 that we just purchased. Mm -hmm. um, a few weeks ago, we actually had our ID4 in the shop because when uh, my husband was driving home, all these error messages popped up. Uh, there was something with the uh, battery, something with the, the drive unit. There was something where the driver assistance package just went out. Um, yeah. But the car was handling all right. Like it just, there wasn't any issue. Um, yeah. And then when we took the car in, it was there for a week and a half, and uh, they had to get Volkswagen's IT engineers from Germany involved with the whole process because it was yeah. the first ID4 <laughs> that they ever had. Jeez. Um, but what they did is that all the physical mechanical parts were good. Everything was good. The battery, the drive unit, whatever. Yeah. Um, but they actually had to wipe the entire software from the vehicle and reload mm -hmm. it. And now the car's perfect. There's yeah. no issues. It was just yeah. something wrong with the software. Yeah, and that's and that's a common theme. I'm sure you all you listeners have probably kind of seen with a lot of other technology is <laughs> is yeah. these software yep. issues just can't be fixed by by normal people without access to the documentation or the actual software like from Volkswagen, right? Yeah. 
you would have to yeah. like probably be a software engineer or some sort of like person familiar with software and be able to like load that on the vehicle to yeah. try to fix that sort of issue. So which was it blew my mind the extent that we had to get everybody involved to just figure out what the main issue was. Yeah. And I I think that that's where um you know right to repair comes in. Like I feel like if you are like a software engineer, I feel like maybe you should have the right to to pull the logs and check the software. But does that software belong to you? You know, yeah. like do you should you have access to that? Exactly. Like I think that that's where a lot of the controversy comes from. Yeah, and a big thing like uh, if you do like some research on the whole John Deere thing, like they're kind of a big. I guess bad guy in this in this whole right to repair thing because uh, not to like ruffle any John Deere fans uh, feathers, but they're kind of like been a, a big player in this right to repair thing because all of their tractors now like obviously tractors very like mechanical thing, but all of John Deere's tractors now are so technologically advanced they have computers built into them now like they're very advanced pieces of technology and they don't provide any kind of documentation to help farmers or anybody using their their tractors help repair the the tractor if it if there's an issue so they've got to go to like a certified john deere repairman who's going to charge way more than <laughs> than like just trying to fix it themselves with parts they can get yeah. they can get so yeah it's it's a whole it's a whole thing it's it's really i think my stance on it is I think companies need to provide better documentation for things and kind of yep. like put put more trust in the consumers and kind of give us some more credit because I think a lot of us are smarter and able to would be able to troubleshoot a yep. lot of these issues before we even bring it in to get repaired. So and, and I, I definitely think that that's where Rich rebuilds and his whole team and you know effort in creating like a third party repair system for mm -hmm. vehicles specifically you yeah. know electric vehicles. Yeah. Um, with his electrified garage, um, I I think there's multiple. Uh, garages across the country i think mainly in florida right now yeah um but but that video um you know i watched last night it was uh a driver in new york city um and he hit something with his 2021 model 3 and it damaged the connector from the cooling pipes to the battery pack and tesla was going to charge him sixteen thousand dollars because they stated the battery had to be removed and replaced the mm. entire battery not that plastic connector yeah um and the entire time you know they were talking with the owner and he was talking about how he's not worried that they're going to void his warranty you know he feels like he's doing the right thing by supporting a third party you know repair shop yeah and it cost him 700 dollars, and they replaced the uh connector with a steel connector so it should hold up better yeah and that was it. So, uh, and and I know that Tesla has been a big proponent of you should bring your vehicles to their shops mm -hmm. to get repaired. Um, but I think that like if there's reliable, um, good garages out there, I why not take your car there if you if you feel like you can trust them. Exactly. Um, and I know Rich Rebuild has that engineering background, so I would absolutely trust him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So kind of a, I mean, there's definitely lots of sides to it. It's a complicated issue. I would definitely suggest watching uh, Marquez Brownlee's right to repair video. He does a great breakdown of kind of all sides of it, uh, what it is, like the background of it, um, all that kind of stuff. We'll link some some other good videos in the in the show notes for you guys to check out. But that's definitely mm -hmm. an issue that not just touches cars, but also a lot of other electronics and any kind of products we're buying nowadays. 
in the old days <laughs> you could just say like you would get a like fully fledged manual for any kind of piece of tech you bought if you bought a fridge you would yeah. get the full manual in there it would have like part numbers in the back with like parts you would need to order if certain things break here's what to do if this breaks yeah. here's how to maintenance this like everything and now it's yeah. like we just hire people to do that and just like pay them way more <laughs> yeah so that they can yeah. fix actually it. so i i do have a prime example if we want to put this in yeah. um so with our new ac unit um yeah. they it came it came with a 10-year warranty but literally no owner's manual nothing all we got was a piece of paper with the serial number and um like another number to register for the warranty okay. and that was it Jeez. and there's no documentation online i actually had to like dive further into the website to figure out what to do but yeah. basically like if anything happens to that it's out of my hands yeah i have to call somebody yeah yeah I mean, a lot I don't, of that i don't is trust just leaving, myself just leaving <laughs> consumers in the dark really because like I'm, yeah. being an engineer i want to know how everything works and how to fix it how to troubleshoot yeah. it everything right <laughs> yeah. so and now yeah. it's like we're not even getting manuals anymore or any kind of documentation no. that helps you helps you know how to use your device or piece of piece of anything so yeah let alone you know especially with like brand new cars there was like no walk around for yeah you know for our bolt or our id4 i mean thankfully we knew what we were looking into but like i think that like average consumer oh yeah might want more of that definitely. you know and definitely i think that's a solid expectation yeah i think I, i've heard some even on our like local owners group for tesla is like a lot of people are saying like Tesla's gotten less and less involved on the delivery thing. They're just like, all right, here's your car. Yeah. We're going to help you set up your key. You're good to go. Like, <laughs> which yeah. again, that's putting a lot of like pressure on consumers to like do their own research and figure things out themselves versus having like, I, now the Model 3 and like the Tesla vehicles do have really good manuals. So like if you read the manual mm -hmm. beforehand, you would probably like know a lot of the stuff, but um, yeah, just getting walked around something as big as a car is definitely definitely a good thing to do. So, uh, oh yeah, yeah. I remember when I worked at Tesla, there was one time I spent four hours with a customer, wow, uh, with their brand new Model X, and That's like awesome. he wanted me to go on the road with him, make sure that he was comfortable, and um, I actually missed a, a Kesha concert because I was oh, spending time gosh. with a consumer. But but it was something I loved, you know, yeah. like in in he absolutely deserved that time. So I'm happy I could provide that to them but yeah. um i have heard the same thing it's very here's your key we'll set it up yeah have fun <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah yeah it's not like you know what it used to be no not to add and, another and, boomer yeah thing. <laughs> yeah and things have changed obviously too like teslas used to be pretty like new vehicles not i'm guessing like the delivery centers weren't delivering a ton of vehicles back when you worked there and it, now it's like they're it delivering was like, like 10 or 12 a day like <laughs> yeah yeah we we would do that like in a week yeah like a weekend yeah yeah yeah, yeah most days we only had like maybe two or three deliveries wow <laughs> so you had the time <laughs> definitely almost going back to right to repair your repair options right now like if i was in a bad accident and like hit part of my battery pack like I don't feel comfortable bringing that to anybody else but Tesla right now. <laughs> like, yeah, <laughs> I would go right back to the yeah. to the the Tesla dealership. So, yeah, I you know, like I feel like if the electrified garage was anywhere near Ohio, I feel like I could trust like their group to yeah, handle that because I know exactly. they 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 do like EV conversions, EV builds, things yeah, like they that. They know what they're doing. Um, but yeah. But I agree. If there was ever like a uh, damage to the Bolt or the Volkswagen battery pack, it would immediately go back to the dealership. 
which has me concerned because at least with, with Tesla, you have Tesla trained engineers to work on your vehicle, but not a hit at the, the dealerships. I don't exactly know how they train their, their staff, you know, yeah. like their repair people. And that to me is a concern. Yeah. Uh, especially with new vehicles. Yeah. Well, I've heard too with some of those those OEMs that don't have as many electric vehicles, they have like a rotating mechanic that'll jump between dealerships mm -hmm. with EVs and is just trained on like yeah. EVs specifically, but it's not like they have somebody like in-house there that's constantly yeah. working on ID4s. <laughs> right? Yep. So Yeah. Yeah. yeah, we ran into that with the Bolt actually. They uh they had to leave my car sitting there for 2 days because the person trained with electric vehicles wasn't available oh yeah geez yeah so it's like already noticing it hopefully as they become more prominent we'll see more but yeah 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 so routine maintenance definitely like much less but just being such a new vehicle market kind of those bigger repairs are definitely going to be more of a headache and i think that's something like you just kind of got to be aware of with the newer piece of technology so that is one of the mm -hmm. kind of downfalls of EVs, I guess, is like if something really bad happens, then you might be waiting longer just because they are a little bit more complicated. We not, might not have as many technicians available, like that sort of stuff. But but day to day, like, I mean, I don't even think about maintenance really with my with my car. So, <laughs> so that's been great. Yeah. Same here. Yeah, it doesn't really cross my mind. <laughs> So we hope that this episode maintained your listenership. And if not, we have the right to repair it in the next episode. That's right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> cool. That's my dad joke for today. <laughs> I'll work on fixing that later. Oh, there's another one. <laughs> so if anybody has any questions on right to repair, or if you want to talk more about that, definitely check out our social media accounts. You can find us on Twitter at livingelectric underscore, Instagram at livingelectricpodcast, as well as Facebook at livingelectricpodcast. Definitely love to talk more about this topic with everyone. Yep, and we'll see you in the next episode. <laughs>